0: Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Hoops Habit Podcast. I am your host, Michael Duggar, and today we're going to continue our NBA Divisional Breakdown Preview. Um, I've already went through the two divisions of the Eastern Conference. I went through the Central and the Southeast in, two pre- in the um, two previous weeks, and today we conclude our Eastern Conference talk with the division that boasts that's the most top-heavy division and has... The three favorites for the Eastern Conference. And like for people who haven't listened to the first or the 1st two, we're going to go top to bottom, with talk about last year's Not gonna not really talk about last year, talk about what they did this summer, and then my expect quick expectations for them. Because I don't want to go full preview. This is like more of a summer review type stuff. And now that training camp's – the season's only a month away, which is crazy to even consider because the NBA offseason never ends. But we'll start with probably the second biggest move of the whole offseason – which um, included the Toronto Raptors, who had the one seed last year in the Eastern Conference in 59-23, beat the Wizards in the, in six games in the first round, and then fell to the Cleveland Cavaliers, as usual, in a sweep. So they felt they had to shake things up a little bit. You know, LeBron going west, because they couldn't get over the LeBron James hump, no matter what team he was on, they just couldn't beat him. And LeBron going west, people thought, okay, maybe the Raptors run running back one more and... and See if they can challenge the Celtics and 76ers. But that didn't happen because they traded DeMar DeRozan to the San Antonio Spurs. And they traded Jakub Poto as well, sorry. But DeMar DeRozan's the big centerpiece. And in return, they got Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. So... A lot of people said, you know, this is a disloyal move. People in Demar Derozan's side, especially, and you know, loyalty is tough to come around in sports and in life in general. But when you can make a move to acquire a top five player when healthy, like Kawhi Leonard is, and then get a Danny Green, who also is going to help you in, in terms of shooting and defense, that's I. It's grown on me to be a no-brainer move for the Raptors can make and. This, comes, if this trade will become a home run for two reasons. I mean, a, we'll get to the other specific things ever because this roster didn't really change much outside of this, so we're probably just going to focus on this. And I'm going to do just a quick little breakdown of why I think they're still the favorite. I think they're the, I think they're the favorite in the Eastern Conference. We'll get to that in a second. And Kawhi, if Kawhi can stay healthy, if that quad is healed, the Raptors have the best player in the East. You can't convince me otherwise. And secondly, if Kawhi can buy – loves Toronto as much as everyone says Toronto's a great city and all that stuff, and I lived in Canada. I didn't, never visit Toronto, but everyone tells me it's a phenomenal city and, and people in the NBA talk about how it's like – it's not really a hidden gem, but it's one of the best cities in the, in the league. It's easily a top five city in the NBA. So if they can sell them on that, sell them on the Raptors culture, then – and he signs an extension or even like a two three year deal. That's a win. That's just a massive win for the Raptors. <clears throat> Do I think that's going to happen? I'm not sure. He seems very. He seems pretty hell bent on getting to the Los Angeles Lakers, or Los Angeles in general. Most likely the Lakers to team up. I don't think it's to team up with LeBron, but just get to get to an area where he's from and wants to be in the warm weather and stuff like that. So that aspect of it. Is why that this move had to be made, and I understand that people talk about the friendship between Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan. How they they did give some of the some of the most joyous interviews and laugh filled interviews every single night when they were together and stuff like that, like clowning on each other. And it was cool to see that to see like a real friendship developed out of that because they didn't talk for like the first season that Kyle Lowry's in Toronto and all that stuff, and and Kyle Lowry has been. At the team Team USA minicamp, he talked about it a little bit. He's like, you know, I don't, I'm hurt. And He's like, I don't want to talk about it, which shows that he was hurt about the move. But how this translate how this translates to the court is special. You look at the size and athleticism that they have on the wing now, and the um, di- amount of lineups they can deploy. So I was mad. I thought OG Nunnaby was one of the top five players in the 2017 draft. Still think that. The defense is there. If that shot, if even if his shot doesn't fall, he's still going to be a great defender. He's 6'8", 235, massive wingspan, great athleticism, and all that stuff. If he wasn't, if he didn't hurt his knee in his sophomore sophomore season at Indiana, he would have his rise would have been even a little his rise would have been more in college and he would have been like a top I think it would have been a top five pick instead of falling to the 20s. So theoretically they can deploy Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, who's a 6'6, 215, 215, 215 pound, great, still a great wing defender, still a great three-point shooter. You have a B, another long guy, Kawhi who speaks for himself in terms of two-way ability. And then you can throw Serge Ibaka or my favorite, Pascal Siakam, and you just have so much switchability and so much length on the defense in the pace and space era. Even if you don't like... even, And then in that another case, say you don't want to have Kyle Lowry out there, you can throw another point guard out there and Dion Wright, who's 6'5". So you have so much size and athleticism... And just that just opens up so much on the defensive side of the on the floor, and offensively you're not taking that big of a hit with a Deion Wright and a Kawhi Leonard on the floor because those are two capable ball handlers that can do stuff. They can run pick and roll, a lot of motion action like that. But Kawhi um, having Kyle Lowry at the point opens up the whole. That's that makes their offense a lot better. And he's he's still a feisty defender, and he's at the point where he's 32. He's getting up there in age, and we've seen. I've heard a countless amount of times that small point guards don't age that well in the NBA and all that stuff. But he can play off ball now. He doesn't have to guard the top defender on on the perimeter. He can literally guard the weakest link on the floor and just conserve energy. And I think this matchup ability, if this is the thing, if Kawhi is healthy and returns anywhere near to that form that he had the previous two seasons where he was top three in MVP voting, this is just, this team just has... I just feel like it can cause so many problems on the defensive end for any of, any other team in the East and the NBA for that fact because they have so much size and so much defensive. Just it's when I saw the trade, I was like, man, I don't know how I feel about this. And then I looked at it on the roster, I'm like, wait, they can do a lot of things defensively, like a lot of things. And they're deep. Fred Van Fleet signed a new contract, a nice team friendly two year, eight, eight um, two year, $16 million contract. Jonas Valchunis is only 26 and is still a a beast down low. Can he, and he has a nice pick and pop game. Malachi, eh, not Malachi. I'm going. am just going through the roster right now. Um, CJ Miles still a great shooter off the bench. You know you can throw him in there. Greg Monroe. I'm not a really a big Greg Monroe guy. I mean I think he's only 28, but I think he's I think he's well past his prime. Not prime. I just don't think he's that this era, era is suited for him. And then Norman Powell has his flashes, but they can go seven, they can go seven, eight deep with little to no drop off in terms of defense and offensive ability. So I love this, I love them, and if I had a pick right now, I'd probably gamble on them and pick them to win a championship. But we're talk the Raptors are going to be a te- this team going to be one of the most watched teams, definitely in terms of intrigue and all that stuff. But a team that everyone is picking. To make the NBA Finals this year, and rightfully so, with how well they performed the past couple of seasons with underman rosters, and that is the Boston Celtics, and not that many offseason signings per se. They brought back Marcus Smart, but getting Kyrie Irving back and Gordon Hayward back is going to be massive. Is going to be huge. I mean, I don't know what I don't know, and they they brought Aaron Baines back in. I mean, I don't know what you want me to say about the Celtics. <clears throat> we saw what they did last year without their two best players. Take the Cavs to seven, push the Cavs to seven, all that stuff. Oh, that was not the best Cavs team. And now another year for Tatum, another year for Brown, Rozier another year, Marcus Morris is comfortable in the system. I mean, there's just so much depth. And even it doesn't even matter about the depth because Brad Stevens is just such a great coach and great mind that he knows how to put everyone in su- in places to succeed. So, I mean, the only thing I c- I mean, yes, I just said I think the Raptors are the best team. In ter- not the best, I think they're the favorite because their defensibility. But, I mean, the Celtics can deploy a Kyrie, Irving, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford lineup from the start. I mean, that may not be as strong defensively, but... You'd be hard-pressed to find a better offensive lineup in the East. Maybe the NBA. Outside of the Warriors. And me I, I'll get to my Lakers thoughts and when we get to that division. That'll probably be the last one of these these previews because I think that division I think that. sorry, not division. I think that those I think the Lakers are going to be crazy good offensively. But <clears throat> looking at this team, the only thing that I can see them stopping them is if Tatum and Brown don't get their shots and get disgruntled when they're on the bench, which I don't think is going to happen. I don't think Brown. I think Brown is way too mature. Well, I think it affected him returning to the Celtics when he's when he's doing an extension. We'll cross the bridge when we get there. Because Kyrie could be gone after this season. Al Horford would be. um, Al Horford only has two years left on his deal. Gordon Hayward has three years left on his deal. So, Jalen Brown, that extension could come in simultaneously. They could just re-up with Jalen Brown and Tatum, all that stuff. So, the only other addition they had was drafting Robert Williams, who hasn't really been the most, he missed a team, he missed a media interview, he was late on a flight, just a whole bunch of stuff. Question marks around him. But if they can get him in, once they get him in the system, he could be a really serviceable backup. Well, he'd be third, he'd be fourth string behind Daniel Teese. I hope I'm saying that right. And... <clears throat> sorry I'm still battling a call for like a week now and then Aaron Baines starts and he's making threes now and then there's Al Horford of course So there's just a lot of depth there's just a lot of depth and talent I mean they're, they have four point guards who are great not great Kyrie Irving's great and you have Marcus Smart, Rozier, and Shane Larkin all three of them are among there with the best backup quarterback quarterbacks <laughs> Point guards in the in the NBA. Sorry, my mind's. I've been taking a little time, not a little time off, but I've been taking a little bit because fantasy football's back. I write for another website and all that stuff. But and then the wings. I mean, Brown and Hayward and Tatum. That's a phenomenal trio. But whew, this team's just talented, and they're well coached, and they're gonna. They're always gonna be there. They're not gonna make. They're not gonna make the wrong decision. Only thing that's gonna stop them is missing their shots, which is ironic this was just not really the best basketball analysis but you look in the in game seven of the finals of the conference finals they just missed shots wide open threes they were just missing and clanking and they play as great as they plays they play great defense as well they were the top team defensively last year in the nba so i don't see i mean that's this is the thing like you know there's teams that we could talk a lot about. i could talk a lot about and there's teams i can just and It's not that I find them less intriguing. It's that we know what we're going to get. We're just adding Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward to a machine. So, I don't know how deep you want me to go because we know what they're going to do. They're going to run great plays, out-of-timeout out of, out of timeout sets. Everything is going to be... Just, it's just beautiful basketball. And I love Kyrie Irving and then I, saw, I don't know if anyone went and saw Uncle Drew. It's out on DVD now. But I honestly, that's like one of those movies where you just like, I was like, you know what, Kyrie, like, I kind of believe that you're saying it's all for the love of the game and stuff like that. And I just I'm like a I just love Kyrie now even more so. So this is one of the top, this is one of, if not the most watchable team in the NBA this year. So I don't know how much more I want to talk about Celtics. So we're going to go to the Celtic the team the Celtics beat in one of the most entertaining in terms of, on-court personality series we had. And that was the Philadelphia 76ers. And we'll start with their off moves. Brought back J.J. Redick. Brought back a couple people. Just just the same old stuff. Um, they traded for Wilson Chandler, who I think will be an upgrade over Marco Bellinelli and Ersan Ilyasova. But well, we'll get to that in a second as well. And one of the moves that, that they traded and netted a first-round pick in a trade with the Suns, and got Zaire Smith traded. Mikhail Bridges. Problem with Zaire Smith is that he has a foot injury, and we don't know how long he's going to be out. Continuing the rookie curse. But we're going to focus on and they got oh they got Shake Milton. That's a good. I like Sha- I like um, Milton coming out of SMU. He'll be a nice he'll be a nice guard off the bench for them. But I'm looking at this lineup, and their starting five is projected to be, Fultz, Reddick. I think Fultz will get the start. Fultz, Reddick, Simmons, Sarich, and Bede. That's, that's really strong. With the bench of McConnell, Covington, Wilson Chandler. I think i Landry Schmidt, too. That's, that's a solid pick, too. Um, maybe Mike Muscow. Yeah, their bench, they don't really have... that. Once again, they don't have like a solid backup center. Which is something they could address with... like. As the season goes on, but in terms of ball handlers and scoring, this team has every this team has a lot in that starting five. I'm the second people started saying Fultz is a bust. Well before he played an NBA game and all that stuff, I was like, "You guys are really, you guys are really saying that at 19 year old." who two months ago everyone said was the clear-cut number one prospect in a draft that featured Tatum, Donovan, Mitchell, and all these players. Could be misevaluation. I don't think months of evaluating a player is going to be skewed by eight months of poor shooting mechanics. I think Fultz is going to explode this year. Teams are going to focus. You saw everything in the couples and when he was playing. You saw the flashes. The quickness, the change of directions, the finishing at the rim with both legs, getting to his spots. It is, if he, the three point shot was always the biggest question mark. He is going to get his shot in the paint, he is going to get into the, in the teeth of a defense and, fi- open, and find the open player. And with the shooting around him, there's going to be plenty of it. Is he going to get the chances with the ball as much? That's why I think staggering him and Ben Simmons' minutes could be smartest, but, and allowing each of them to go to work. But there's still just so much, so much ball handling talent. Sarge can handle the rock and play some point. Those are three and that starting five I just named. That's three starting point guards. And the Wilson Chandler factor is I know everyone loves to look at the playoffs, and we saw Arasani Lusova and Marco Bellinelli playing. And they were making threes in the Heat series, and they made some threes in the Celtics series. And I was like, oh, they did a they massively downgraded from Wilson Chandler. And I'm like, really? Since when did Marco Bellinelli... At, let me look how old he is real quick. At age... Marco Bellinelli at age 32, and Ersan Ilyasova at age 31. When did those two guys become... I know Wilson Chandler's 31, too. But when did those two guys become all phenomenal key pieces? And we 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 got... People were ragging on the bucks for paying Ersan Ilyasova the number that he got but now we're going to turn around and say the 76ers are desperately missing him? I just don't understand that. And Bellinelli, there's the thing. Those guys are both zeros on defense. They're not good defenders. Postseason basketball is all about defensive matchups. Wilson Chandler gives him a better chance. Covington can't make a shot, and his defense is slightly aggressed. but Chandler and Covington is, in my eyes, is still a better combo. And then you got everyone's favorite in the first number league, because He's exploded for like 40 points. Furkan Korkmaz. Hopefully, I did not. I'm pretty sure I pronounced that name right. He's 6'7". He's going to get some minutes, and he offers, from what we've seen, offers most of the same shooting ability in a younger body at 6'7". Shake Milton, 6'6", 207. He's going to be a nice guard off the bench to help. There's just, and J.J. Redick's still there. and J.J. Reddick is not the greatest defender, but he tries hard he's he's a better shooter than the other two. So I don't understand, I don't I, all this overreaction. the 76ers didn't do anything this offseason. What do you want them to do? They didn't get Paul George. They didn't get LeBron. So what do you want them to trade? You want them to trade Foltz and a couple first round picks for a year of Kawhi Leonard? No. The process has always been a long-term project. Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Marco Foltz was the completion of that process. Ben Simmons, phenomenal, a six ten point guard, Embiid, everyone's favorite player, trolling people, loving basketball, pump. He's just the joy of life. Can his his plus minus numbers when he's on the when he's on the floor are are unbelievable. He's the best big man in the NBA besides Anthony Davis. And then Fultz is only twenty. Like, why would you? Why would the? I'm looking at this Eastern Conference window and the only reason they lost to the Celtics, we're talking about how, you know, the Celtics and some teams had like these growing coming of age moments in the playoffs. The 76ers not? Did only, only Tatum was not, has not been in a playoff series or Eastern Conference finals on the Celtics until last year. No one on the 76ers team outside of JJ Redick and Marco Bellinelli have been to a finals or anything close to that. Maybe the coming-of-age moment was blowing leads against the Celtics in that five game. and they lost in five games. Maybe they learned from that. Like, why are we just overlooking? I don't got it. It's just weird. They didn't make any big moves. Okay. They don't have to. They got a first-round draft pick by swapping players, and they got a 19-year-old instead of a 22-year-old. Did I like Mikael Bridges better? Yes, did they kind of do him dirty because his family worked there? Because his mom worked for the 76ers? Yes. Is he from Philly and Villanova? Yes. But oh, all right. It's about winning game, winning basketball games for the future. They got to the semifinals and beat a veteran team in the first round in five games. Destroyed them. Lost a very tough five-game series to the, to the Celtics. So we'll see. I mean we don't know how long this honestly we don't know how long we don't know how long the Raptors are going to be here. If Kawhi le- if Kawhi leaves, they will trade Kyle Lowry and they will implode that whole thing. You look at the Celtics. Kyrie could leave after this year. Al Horford's 33. is going to be 33 and he's on his two years left on his deal. Gordon Hayward's coming off a terrible ankle injury or late sh- frat- fibia, whatever exactly what it was. So the trust of process truthers have not should not feel should not feel disappointed about this summer that's all I'm going to say and I went on way too long about the 76ers so we're going to go to the boroughs of New York and start with the New York Knicks and a lot of people said that they had one of the best draft picks in this one of the best drafts in this in 2018. Kevin Knox from my alma mater, Tampa Catholic High School fell to them he looked great he i think it's overblown but and and because it's um vegas stuff but knocking down shots looking smooth ball handling great defense i love this competitiveness rebounding diving on floors you know that's what i love Luis. and another thing one of the underrated things about evaluating talent is just loving basketball this guy was watching all of he was just literally in the gym by himself watching like when the Knicks got eliminated. He was like just hanging, hanging out in Vegas, just watching basketball. And that's something that I appreciate. So got a great draft with him. Mitchell Robinson at seven one looks like a I don't want to say steal, but he looks like a great rim running center for the modern NBA. Can jump out of the can jump out of the gym, lobs, pick and roll, all that stuff. So I like him. And this season's this season honestly is just gonna be a throwaway. For being honest, we don't know when Kate um Porzingis is coming back. We don't know if Joe, Joe Kimno is not in the team's plans. They're having Emmanuel Mudiay, Frank Nick um and Tilakina, who I I like, but he needs. They need another point guard. Maybe Mudiay can be that. I like Mudiay coming out of college. He didn't go to college coming out of into the draft. I like that. I mean, I just think I don't know. I don't know Trey Burke had some moments. Tim Hardaway Jr. has a little couple years left on his contract. They brought in Mario Azonia. I mean, I don't know how much that does, but from what I've seen in the Knicks sphere around this talk, is they're just excited to have two cornerstone players, they think, in Knox and Porzingis. They want to see Knox. They just want to see all these young guys play. I mean, they're all – until is competitive, Knox is competitive. Let's see if Moutier can jump that up. And they have some trade value. You know, maybe someone can trade for Courtney Lee in this year. That would maybe net like a second-round pick. If Tim Hardaway, Tim Hardaway looked pretty good last year, and you get him, and you just make him a spot up shooter, and a three and D guy, I think I think that he can have some value. I don't know if they're if this contract's good enough to is is that tradable without giving up some pieces. But I mean, they're not going to trade any of their pieces. Let's be real here. So, I mean, these honestly, these last two teams, I don't know what I don't know what to talk about. I like the Knicks' future. I think they're going to be a major player in the free agency period coming up with I mean everyone, everyone people said that there's a report that service that Ka- um, Kyrie and Jimmy Butler want to play together. I don't know if that'd be in New York. But I've always thought Kim Kevin Durant could be the New York Nick. I really have thought that. You get Kyrie and KD this team's coming out of the East. And Kyrie's from the area. He just screams Madison Garden every night. 40 to 41 times a night Besides in the regular season. He just screams like that. He would embrace that more than anybody. And then KD, his business manager, or business partner, I should say, loves the New York Knicks, has aspirations of running the New York Knicks. KD just signed another one-year player option deal, so maybe things go haywire or in Golden State or he's sick of playing there, or whatever happens in there. He's like, maybe I want to come East. And he comes East. This is the team. If he leaves, it will be for the Knicks, I think. I don't think it'll go to the Lakers. But I mean the Knicks this Knicks team just is fun, I think. I'm a I'm a Ron Baker fan. He makes all the right passes. To plays hard. Um, Trey Burke has his moments. He can he can get hot. He was actually played really well at the end of last season. I I've mentioned um Tim Hardaway before. Jared Jackson vet. I mean, any cancer's funny on social media. i think yeah, I think he tries a little too hard. But there's not a lot of talent, but the future is finally bright for the Knicks, which I guess is all you can ask for these days. I mean, who knows, but we'll we'll end this divisional preview with a team that is finally, finally owning their first round draft pick, and they surprise, they've actually done pretty well. I mean, if you watch them, they play great basketball, they shoot a lot of threes, they play the right way and stuff like that, and... They have some talent on this team. That's the Brooklyn Nets. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the roster. It's really not that great anyway. <laughs> but they have, of, they have a lot of players that try hard. I'm looking at them. Darrell Arthur, Damari Carroll, Alan Crabb. I mean, and they brought in Ed Davis, who people in Portland really were disappointed about. He's a good team player, good hustler, great rebounder, all that stuff. Spencer Dinwiddie finished top three in most improved player. And a nice little backcourt of him and D'Angelo Russell who is entering a big year for himself in terms of improving his game and staying healthy. And then they brought in Joe Harris. They re-signed Joe Harris for a nice friendly deal of 8 million a year and, you know, he's he's a great defender, great shooter, just puts the ball in the back. And, I mean, he's just a solid player. Oh, and they traded for Kenneth Fried. Did not know that. So like this team With how well coached they are, with Kenny Atkinson, I could see them pushing for a playoff spot. I don't. I think the Knicks will finish last in this division. <clears throat> I don't think the Nets are going to tank. I mean, you never know with that. You never know with teams in general. But I don't think they're going to tank. Um. Yeah, Chris LeVert, Carice LeVert is coming. Is a good player from Michigan. He fell because he had injury problems. Sorry, I'm just. I haven't. Really, honest, I haven't really watched a lot of Nets games. If I'm being real. I try to make my way around all the NBA teams, and I turn on the Nets, and it's usually a half-empty crowd at the in Brooklyn. I'm just like, okay, there's other teams, but now that they're out of Purgatory and have their draft pick, I'm actually going to be investing in them a little more because, you know, I'm going to try to be looking at and see what piece they're missing. It looks like they're missing is the big man, a some a nice athletic big man who can space the floor. Oh, they oh that's. So, I apologize. Jared Allen's that from Texas, and he's actually, he's he's athletic. He is he has like ballerina feet at six eleven, two thirty four. So they just need wings, and they need to see if this D'Angelo Russell, um, see what D'Angelo Russell's made about. If I, I mean, I'm I'm so, I'm so, I wish I could talk more about them. I, just, I honestly just don't know what to talk about with them. They got Musu who's a who's – a, um, I talked to – I did a draft preview with a fellow Hoops Habit contributor, and he said that Musso is a sharpshooter and really likes his game and stuff like that. So they got him. But he's there's just like a log jam at the, on the backcourt. So I don't know how – are they going to play super small ball? What are they going to do? They're just like – I mean, I don't know how much Jared Dudley's going to play, but they have Joe Harris, Rondae Hall, Jefferson, Demari Carroll, Allen Crabb. There's like a lot – there's a lot of recognizable names on this team. I'm just interested to see how it translates to a team that may push for a playoff spot if everything falls in in place. Everything. They're not going to make it. I don't think so. Because I think the East is a little deeper than people think. But I think a 10th or 11th place finish, hitting them a nice top 10 pick. Because they haven't finished. I mean, their pick last year was ninth or 8th to the Cavs. So, I mean, I don't know how much. I don't think it's going to get worse with their young talent getting more taking a step forward and getting more playing time in the system and a couple of the improvements that they made in their within their scheme and stuff like that so that's going to conclude this Atlantic division like I said it's top heavy Raptors Celtics 76ers and then Knicks and Nets you know we'll see Knicks probably won't be the great the best team in the east per se and the Nets could just be a fun group of, you know, a lot of them are outcasts and certain teams and a lot of no, nice youth. And we'll see if Dinwiddie and Ru- D- D'Angelo Russell can t- continue taking a step forward. So that's going to conclude this podcast. Thanks for checking it out, guys. Make sure to check out all of our Hoops Habit writing. I myself have to pick up my writing because I've not been writing that much this month, if at all. And yeah, season's right around the corner. And then we'll really crank up the coverage and all that stuff. So thanks for listening, guys, and have a good one.